there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. This is the show where we pit facts against foreplay. Many of us have been cooped up for months. But now, it's spring. Birds are bonking. Squirrels are all squirrely. And even flies are getting fresh. So, over at Sides Versus, we thought it was a great time to revisit one of our favourite episodes. It's about the great mystery of the G-spot. Does it exist or not? This episode is super fun. We talk a lot about genitals. Parents, if this will open up a conversation that you're not ready to have right now, you've been warned. All right, let's get into it. We're in 1981. Roger Moore was still James Bond. Sandra Day O'Connor was to become the first woman appointed to the US Supreme Court. And the Phil Donahue show had been broadcasting to the nation for more than a decade. Today on that show, something that would change the way we talk about vaginas for decades to come. What we're about to discuss has to do with uh, sexuality and it has to do with women and it has to do with orgasm. Uh, A nurse named Beverly Whipple was about to bravely tell the nation of something exciting inside the vagina. It was a spot that, if pressed, would give you an orgasm. If you stimulate this area... What happens, the orgasm occurs very rapidly, usually within a minute. And people often report that they have many orgasms, frequently. Many orgasms, frequently. Beverly called this magic button the G-spot. And to find it, she said, someone could insert their fingers into your vagina, touching the front wall. But she told Phil Donahue and the rest of the United States... The best position is the female on top where the angle of the penis will hit right into the anterior wall. Missionary position just doesn't do it. Now, while Phil Donahue had a few stumbling moments... Okay, now where do we go from here? Um, (laughs) The audience was excited. Honestly, I'm thrilled to think I'm here. Did you ever think the television would get to this place? No, I didn't. If my mother was alive, she'd drop dead. (laughs) Beverly Whipple and her talk of the G-spot were immediately shot into the limelight. Later, Cosmopolitan magazine would call Beverly one of 10 sexual revolutionaries that you should know. She was right up there with Alfred Charles Kinsey and Sigmund Freud. A lot of fanfare and a stamp of approval from Cosmo. But since that interview, many people have hunted for the G-spot in their bedrooms and in laboratories. And enough of them have come up empty-handed that it's raised the question, does the G-spot even exist? So let's jump in to bed with the woman from the Donahue show, Beverly Whipple. Producer Heather Rogers and I drove out to Beverly's house in New Jersey. 
These days, she's an emeritus professor of nursing at Rutgers, and she lives in a gated community. There's cookie-cutter houses and bright white fences. This is not this is not the neighbourhood that I would have expected the G-spot to be born in. <laughs> no, this is where I would expect June Cleaver to live. <laughs> we walked up to her house. Hello. Come in, come in. Thank you so much. Beverly's sitting room is filled with family photos and books about sex. Multiple orgasmic couple, multiple orgasmic man, any man can, oh, I don't know, sexual fitness. Next to uh, the only retirement guide you'll ever need. <laughs> we sat down and she told us her path to G-spot fame. It started in the 1970s. Beverly was teaching nursing when a student asked her, hey, what can a patient do sexually after having a heart attack? This answer wasn't part of the nursing curriculum, but Beverly thought that it should be. She wanted to add it to her course. So she and her team did a bunch of work. We really did a real good job and we were all excited. But to get all this sex stuff added to the nursing curriculum, it had to go through the college's board of trustees. And... uh... They told us we couldn't implement it because we'd be talking about, now listen to my word, masturbation and all those awful things. They couldn't even say masturbation correctly. (laughs) Masturbation. Masturbation. (laughs) Beverly was proud of what she'd done. And when the board said no, she ultimately quit. Her next job would introduce her to a group of patients who were suffering from their own kind of anxiety about sex women who peed while they were orgasming. And these women were very bothered by it. They stopped having orgasm because this occurred with orgasm. And they wanted to make sure that um, they wouldn't have this. They they thought they weren't normal and they were embarrassed. That's right. They were very embarrassed. Some women talked about taking towels to bed with them and all these different things. And these women were about to become super important to the G-spot story. Okay, so Beverly had been taught that women who couldn't control their bladders properly were supposed to have weak pelvic floor muscles. But these women didn't have that problem. Their pelvic floor muscles were fine. So she started studying these women, looking for why they might be peeing during sex. And while she was looking, she found something else. Something she wasn't expecting. So we had a nurse practitioner myself, who was a nurse practitioner or a physician, examined 400 women. And we found this sensitive area in all of the women. So when you say you examined 400 women, what did you do? Um, can I have your, your vagina for a minute? <laughs> all in the service of journalism. No. Beverly took producer Heather's hand for a moment and she curved Heather's finger and palm into a cylinder to look like a vagina. Kind of. You put your fingers into the vagina Uh and you push up with quite a bit of pressure. I think you've described it as a come here motion with your hand. With your fingers, you use a come here motion. You go all around the vaginal wall, Uh going around the vagina, looking for areas of sensitivity. From 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, etc. Saying, how does this feel? How does this feel? And between 11 and 1 o'clock, we got a lot of smiles. Well, that feels good. Beverly says that when her team pressed that spot in the vagina of these women, it swelled. And the women, they liked it. 
Well, what was it like to see the smile on women's faces and no one? Wonderful, but we didn't know what was happening yet. Beverly scoured the literature, searching for another scientist who had spotted a similar spot. And she found one article that described what she'd seen. It was published in this pretty obscure journal in 1950 by a Dr. Ernst Grafenberg, who, side note, was the inventor of the world's first IUD, the Grafenberg ring. In his paper, Ernst wrote that by his, quote, own experience of numerous women, end quote, he could always find an erotic zone on the front or anterior wall of the vagina along the urethra. That's where you pee out of. He wrote that when pressed, this zone would give women an orgasm. And he also wrote that occasionally, during their orgasms, these women would produce a fluid that is, quote, so profuse that a large towel has to be spread under the women to prevent the bedsheets getting soiled, end quote. His research matched exactly what Beverly had seen. The spot was in the same place, there was that fluid produced, and so much fluid that women were bringing towels to bed, just like Beverly's patients. She wrote up the research and presented this discovery at a meeting with her colleague John Perry. At the presentation, there was, understandably, some excitement in the room. A colleague came up to her with an intriguing suggestion. Said, you should, Bev, you should call that the Whipple Tickle, which is immediately when I said to John, we're going to name this something. Sadly, she didn't go with Whipple Tickle because, historical side note, at the time there was this really popular ad for toilet paper from the Charmin Company. And the main character in the ad was this hapless man called Mr. Whipple who just couldn't stop squeezing the Charmin toilet paper. Mr. Whipple, please don't squeeze the Charmin. You're probably too, too young to remember that. But, but our, our son would hear that all the time. Hey, Mr. Whipple, don't squeeze the shaman. And that's all, I could, that's all I could think of was. So we immediately uh, called it uh, the Grafenberg spot. After Dr. Ernst Grafenberg, it soon got shortened to the G-spot. Part of the work was published in the Journal of Sex Research, and from there it was picked up by the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Chicago Tribune, and that's how Beverly ultimately ended up on The Phil Donahue Show. A year later, she published her first book called The G-Spot and Other Discoveries of Human Sexuality. And from there, she was invited by television network after television network to tell the world about the G-spot. The book says there is a spot inside a woman that when it is stimulated sexually, gives a woman tremendous pleasure. Today we'll find out more about it. Won't you please welcome one of the authors of The G-spot, Beverly Whipple. She was introduced to famous people. At a conference, she said she rubbed shoulders with President Gerald Ford and his wife, Betty. After the conference was over, I'm walking down the beach in Maui in a bathing suit, and all of a sudden somebody goes, Beverly, Beverly, can you come here? It was Betty Ford. She wanted to talk to me. What did she want to talk to you about? Anyway, it's what just, did she say? It's just interesting to it me. Up. You brought it uh, up. Yeah, but I don't have to say. I just said she knew me in a bathing suit. She knew my name was Beverly, and she called me. So, was she particularly interested in your work? Uh, she was interested in a lot of my work, yeah. She says thousands of women wrote to her, grateful for the work she was doing. People saying, thank you, you're helping me to feel normal. How did it feel to get those letters? It was wonderful. It was so affirming. It just felt great. But with the growing fame 
came some controversy. After all, some people didn't want orgasms discussed so out in the open. Why do we need this? Why do we need to know there's a G-spot? Your dirty-minded little people working in a back room someplace with weird women. Enough already. I mean, enough talk about what should be a very private, personal matter. But this controversy wasn't just happening in the media. It was also happening in labs. Because amidst all of this was this big scientific question. What exactly is the G-spot? Like, is it a bundle of nerves or an organ or a gland or something else? Because even Beverly, the G-spot's biggest cheerleader, she didn't know. In her appearance on Donahue in 1981, Beverly had a 3D model of the vagina with all the structures around it, all in anatomical detail. Uh, I brought a model here. It's located but the actual G-spot was literally just a green dot stuck on her model. It might as well have been a question mark. What did you, what did you think was there? I don't know. I didn't know. That spot that Beverly had found to reliably and regularly produce orgasms She had no idea why it worked or what it even was. But once she announced it, people all over the world started looking for it. First in private, then in public, at universities. So what did they find? Well, if you want to know what all these scientists came up with, then you've got to head over to our full episode on the G-spot. Just search for Science VS in Spotify, Science VS, and click on the link, G-Spot, come again. Yeah, we went with the classy pun on that one. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time.